Welcome to Urban Principle, leadership lessons brought to you by BrettAndersonConsulting.com. And now here's your host, Brett Anderson. And welcome back to another podcast. We are on episode 191, season four. And this episode is staying on point. Uh, as leaders, we get overwhelmed with initiatives and things going on in your buildings and at this time, it's important to start looking at some of those things. Uh, taking from the No Complaining Rule by John Gordon, Positive Ways to Deal with Negativity at Work. I've shared some of these things with you before, but he talks about the cost of negativity. And why am I talking about negativity on a show that's usually positive? Because these are the things that can happen, and these are the things that drive your staff away and drive your teachers away. And... Uh, 90% of doctor visits are stress-related, according to the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention. And the number one cause is office stress of... The number one cause of office stress is co-workers and their complaining. Hmm, interesting, huh? A uh, study found that negative employees can scare off every customer they speak with. Uh, let's see, negativity costs the U.S. economy between 250 and $300 billion every year in lost productivity, according to the Gallup Organization. Uh, negativity affects morale, performance, and productivity of our teams. Uh, the negative person can create a miserable office environment for everyone else. That's one negative person, they say. Uh, negative emotions are associated with uh, decreased lifespan and longevity, increased risk of heart attack, increased risk of stroke, greater stress, less energy, more pain, fewer friends, and less success. Basically, all kinds of health and wellness. So, uh, that's a lot. <laughs> A lot of factors that can affect that. So one of the ways that we can do that is starting to stay on point and starting to look at some of the things uh, we can do to help teachers in their role. And in the recent ASCD uh, Educational Leadership, um, September 2023, Volume 81, November, our number one. Uh, this I just received in the mail recently here. Uh, there was a good article by uh, Chase uh, Melky. And it's reducing teacher workloads. For too long, we've normalized the pressure to do it all. And that is something you can read in its entirety through that ASCD uh, September 2023, Volume 81, Number One Issue. Uh, excellent article because he talks about some of the things that uh, uh, time and how we only have a certain amount of time and our time and energy are finite and we can create a healthier workload and more successful schools by looking at that and uh, he talks about accepting limitations um, and then one thing he found uh, he gives he cites some research um, uh, from ED in 2020 uh, as one example, a study involving 380 teachers and 7,899 students determined that teacher exhaustion not only negatively affected standardized test scores, but also diminished class grades, school satisfaction, and perception of perception of teacher support. Actually, that was uh, Aaron's and Morin in 2016, and then this part was a, a ED 2020. Uh, students with exhausted teachers are also significantly more likely to get referrals and in-school suspension. Ah, and I've talked about that on the show before. We've talked about positive behavior intervention supports that the teacher can be um, 80 to 90 percent of the problem if they're not using the correct tack and demeanor with the students. Um, and that makes sense with what he's talking about there. Uh, he also talks about when we accept, I'm going to read this little piece to you, um, 
Considering how little time we have with students, it is remarkable how much we impact their lives and learning each year. Because he cites that there's only you're really only spending about 12% of their lives in school, or 12% is uh, spent in school. I guess it depends on the school that you're in and the area you're in and the demographics because at the highest poverty building I was in, we actually had them really early because we had preschool or before school programs for all ages and then after school and even dinner and then a program of enrichment and community learning center that went into the evening and other activities that also went till 8 o'clock. So they could actually be there more than 12% depending on your area, which could be good for your kids like it was for mine depending on the area. Um, all right, back to point here. He says, uh, when we accept our limitations of time, we grant ourselves permission to do things well rather than all things poorly. When we accept our limitations, we're on our way toward adopting a mindset of radical acceptance of finitude, a practice of rejecting the many distractions and pressures surrounding education, protecting our own and one another's time, and prioritizing a few things we want to do exceptionally well by replacing the idea that we contain infinite potential with the reality that our time and energy are finite we can create healthier workloads and ultimately more successful schools uh, he goes on with a lot of different points uh, some of the important pieces uh, he talks about working smarter not harder and we continually we've talked about that on the show as well um, he talks about the time that is spent in grading and providing feedback three to five hours uh, he's citing some research here um, and planning and prepping lessons five to six hours and PD and meeting with colleagues two to three hours administrative school community uh, uh, committees and extra duty tasks three or five to six hours um, and then he talks about uh, other things that you can do uh, uh, with a supportive administration teachers tested strategies such as implementing more efficient and less time-consuming feedback practices and that could work really well if you're doing coaching, like my coaching practices and dialogue to help me to interact and promote the curriculum and inst instruction better than the actual appraisal system, which was a compliance procedure that I had to do for the district. So I tried to streamline that as much as possible. Um, reducing the frequency of data collection and data meetings. Uh, also, I would say making those meetings more efficient and more uh, effective uh, in the long run, can meetings meetings can take time and be a uh, energy zapper if they're not organized and run well and create some kind of a plan of action or review data in the process. Uh, and the thing, other thing he says is simplifying lessons, planning pr processes and requirements. And simplifying lessons is a, a huge one, and you know how I feel about lesson plans. Uh, don't make me go off on that again, but I've talked about lesson plans and how that can be a time zapper. And it's definitely a morale uh, decliner or a exploder for that matter because it diminishes your your uh, morale big time because it's a compliance activity. You're asking them to turn in something. You're not treating people as professionals. I would not like it if my district uh, supervisor was having me turn in uh, things as a principal, which many do because they create compliance activities, which uh, diminishes their effectiveness as well. But the same thing happens with teachers, uh, getting them to do uh, effective lessons, creating a framework. We had uh, student learning goals and student learning targets, which were very effective. And then we added the gradual release framework of modeled, shared, guided, and independent 
as our, our general framework. And once they knew the general framework and we coached certain um, feedback techniques and engagement techniques and things we wanted to see in the classrooms, that became our lesson plans. And that was actually a good way of doing it. So uh, if you're having people turn in lesson plans, that's a real time zapper your time as well as their time and it doesn't really increase the effectiveness of your lessons start creating a productive dialogue and positive dialogue with your teachers talking about instruction and you'll do much better uh, then he goes into um, so it's not a question of whether we can reduce workloads for the sake of teacher well-being it's a question of whether we will reduce the workloads for the sake of student learning and I had to protect my staff many times from some of the initiatives and the things coming down the pike from the central office that didn't always match our school's philosophy and what we were doing. And some were effective and some were good and some were not. And as a leader and as the principal, you can decide what to do uh, within the reason uh, of your district because some districts won't let you do anything else. Uh, and some give you the flexibility and the autonomy of of being a leader and treating you like a professional like they should and that uh, increases the effectiveness of your school as well and then he talks about three agreements for radical acceptance acceptance of finitude that every educator and school leader should make agreement number one we will elicit feedback and ensure follow-through school leaders should begin their efforts to create conditions for more manageable workloads by listening to staff uh, where are teachers feeling overwhelmed what do they need and how can leaders respond to those needs? Um, and then in a 2001 Harvard Business Review article that he talks about, uh, Jennifer Moss recommended leaders ask, what is the one change that would instantly allow you to be healthier at work? That is an excellent question. So think about how you could ask your staff that. What is the change, the one change that would instantly allow you to be healthier at work. If you ask that of your staff, you're also a principal that allows ownership and allows uh, freedom of expression and the right kind of a positive culture that we're always talking about. So I think that's an excellent question to ask your staff. Um, he goes on with agreement number two, we will reduce initiative fatigue. And uh, he says every school leader should be asking, are we doing too many things with mediocrity rather than a few things with mastery. In Leading with Focus, Mike Schmoker writes that effective leaders protect their teachers from an unfocused array of professional development offerings. And that was 2016. And that is so true. And I love Mike Schmoker's stuff, and we used a lot of his stuff as I was creating a school from scratch, the Focus School, and uh, Schmoker uh, knows how to simplify and knows the importance of... Uh, getting to the point as we're saying staying on that point as our episode is and i'll share that at the end of this i, I maybe i'll jump back to leading with focus because there's a couple things i could share from that uh from mike schmoker that kind of will kind of put the nail in and solidify this staying on point uh, uh, let me jump back here where i was going here i get on a tangent sometimes uh, one district I uh, worked with identified more than 40 initiatives they had started in the past few years for staff of uh, for a staff of 150 teachers. 40 initiatives. How can you be successful at 40 initiatives, and how can you do them well? Oh my gosh, that's way too many. Uh, and they spent uh, 
He said it involved hours, weeks, and years of full implementation, including curriculum sets and PD days and numerous meetings. Wow, that is a lot. And then he talks about uh, Maslach and later uh, in 2000, talked about initiative fatigue, and it affects all three dimensions of burnout uh, in teachers and staff. And the sites, it increases exhaustion as staff juggles dozens of different uh, tasks or asks and changes. It creates cynicism as individuals lose faith and trust that an, an initiative will actually be supported with time and integrity. Uh, let's see. It causes inefficiency as teachers face new learning curves, often without the coaching and support necessary, and I've seen this many times, to develop skills before their new initiative comes their way. One strategy for embracing teachers' finitude is to establish a zero-sum role. Before implementing a new idea, do a realistic assessment of how much time it will take to learn or enact, uh, where this time is going to be freed up from existing tasks, and how this shift will be clearly communicated to staff. And I would add another one is does it replace or improve something that's already happening or something that's already taking place in your building as a process or procedure or a um, instructional strategy. Um, and then he goes on to say staff might ask, uh, our leaders, our principals might ask staff questions like, what is one initiative that if it were off your plate would help you do your job better? That's similar to that one thing that would make your job healthier. Uh, and the next one was, what elements of the proposed initiative should we keep that allow us to... Um, and they've got goal of the initiative to whatever, uh, to maintain that goal of the initiative or whatever it is. And then the next one is, are there elements of the proposed initiative that we should scrap while still being able to achieve the goals of the initiative? And are there things we're doing now that already contribute to the goal of the initiative? Uh, and then based, uh, based on feedback received, school leaders should consider how to move forward and, of course, uh, that's a great way of doing it, building consensus and getting staff input and allowing input, which takes longer uh, and is a more involved process, but it does give ownership and it gives uh, helps you build a rationale on why you're doing something. And then if you decide to do it, it's going to help your staff move forward uh, within that. And then his agreement number three, we will work smarter, not harder. How many times have you heard that, working smarter, not harder? Uh, whether you're an individual uh trying to manage your own workload or the position to influence your organization's policies, focus on being incrementally more efficient with your existing workloads. Uh, look for your biggest time sucks and ask yourself, what can I do to release, reduce this workload by 20% or even just 10%? How can we make our data meetings 20% more efficient? How can I spend 30 minutes less on grading this week? How can I spend 30 seconds uh, less per email? Intentionally seeking efficiency doesn't guarantee you'll reduce the time spent inefficiently, but in seeking out and experimenting with new approaches, you'll be pushed to analyze your existing habits and identify inefficiencies. And then he lists some ideas. So if you'd like to see that in its entirety, look at that ASCD article as suggested. So as we wrap up today, uh, I want to share a couple things from Leading with Focus, uh, Elevating the Essentials for School and District Improvement from Mike Schmoker. Uh, when he talks about simplifying and staying on point as a leader and as a principal. Um, he says, to succeed, leaders must clarify or carefully select, severely limit, 
and then persistently clarify and clarify and clarify and clarify the work to be done by those they lead. Uh, you couldn't say it any simpler than that either. And then the last thing he says uh, within this book is, uh, well, not the last thing, but from what we're doing to solidify our point, of course, uh, exceptional leadership requires us to choose the right things to focus on and then devote our ongoing efforts to them with simplicity and diligence. So encourage your staff, involve your staff, um, ask what one thing would make them healthier at work if you got rid of as an initiative and look at your initiatives and focus on the initiatives that are going to make the most impact and what I always called the high yield uh, strategies and activities. So look at ways to uh, de-stress your teachers and allow more time to do the things that need to be done. So as always, I'd like to finish with a quote, and our quote today is, People rarely succeed unless they have fun in what they are doing. And that was from Dale Carnegie. So remember to bring that fun back into the workplace and into your culture. Keep uh, creating that positive culture. So as always, keep promoting effective leadership through productive culture changes. And until next time, let's remember to stay positive. listening to Urban Principle, leadership lessons brought to you by BrettAnderson Consulting.com.